Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Threepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. What's good? What's going on? Welcome back to another episode of the Hogshaven Podcast, powered by SB Nation. You can find us at hogshaven.com, at hogshaven on Twitter, and on Facebook. I am your host, Molly Maul, Jamal Forrest. You can find me on Twitter, at Let Maul Tell It. Do not forget the you. On the agenda today, ladies and gentlemen, we got a game preview. Um... Jaguars and Commanders game preview show. You know, I'll break down my keys and observations or, or things that I'll be looking into uh, for Washington and how they can get a win over the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, and then after that, shortly after that, we will have an introduction to our new sponsor, our official sponsor of the Hogs Haven Commanders game preview episodes, Anti Up Consulting. Mark Pringle, a.k.a. Marky P., the CEO of Anti-Up Consult, will join us. He and the Anti-Up team does an excellent job providing betting angles and trends for the NBA, MLB, NCAA, NCAA, football, basketball. You get it. You all, you understand it. Sports. All sports angles and betting angles and trends will get his insight on the NFL season, the upcoming season, and some perspective on the commander's from a betting standpoint. Now, if you all know me, you all know that I love to dibble and dabble in a little bit of gambling. And I mean, I, we all have as the you know days have moved along and the world has been more accepting of gambling. But uh, you know, I, I, I've been at this thing for some time, and uh, you know, this is the time of the year that I was waiting for. <laughs> um, and and I'm pretty sure some of you all out there. I'm not going to say everybody, but some of you all out there. I've been waiting for this this time as well, and I'm probably I'm pretty sure some of you all probably already got started with college football, and maybe even the Bills and the Rams last night, which uh, I leaned Buffalo. I didn't play any money on it, but at the end of the day, uh, if I did, I would have won. <laughs> I would have won. Um, but ultimately, people join us, um, and we'll get a, a introduction and get some insight too. You all want to listen uh, if, as you get ready for the weekend, just to understand, you know, his side and, and how things actually work out from a person who, you know, kind of really, you know, does this for a living <laughs> in a sense. So, um, you know, they, they do a really good job and uh, they offer good services for anybody who's interested uh, to get some, some advice. And they have a, a whole new, they have a whole setup, not a new setup. I, I'm actually in their discord as well. Um, they do a really good job of uh, prop picks, um, breaking down prop picks, 
uh, also the games as well, the angles um, and everything, all everything that you need to know, uh, including a, an email chain as well that, that gets you all up to date with week to week notes of the NFL and things of that nature. Let's get started with and before I forget my bed, if you find yourself with some time, some spare time. Uh, make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast if you aren't, and also leave us a rating and review. You know, it's truly appreciated. Uh, you don't have to do it, obviously. Um, I appreciate you listening nonetheless. Uh, that's good for us anyway. That's good for me, and I appreciate you anyway. Um, also, if you haven't listened to Logan Paulson and Jordan DeLugo, uh, Jordan DeLugo is, uh, he covers the Jacksonville Jaguars for Generation Jaguar uh, down there in Florida. Um, and then also, you know, everybody who's familiar with the commanders are pretty much familiar with Logan Paulson at this point, former tight end with the team, but also a commander's analyst. Now he does an excellent job breaking down film, evaluating players, um, and evaluating opposing teams as well. So we had a conversation with Logan and Jordan in preparation for the Jaguars game. Um, I know I've been putting out a lot of episodes this week, time related and, and schedule wise, it was just hard to really, um, consolidate everything. So I'm going to say this moving forward. Don't expect as many episodes. They'll probably be um, more coordinated and more structured into to one particular episode, uh, like interviews and things like that. So, um, yeah, just just keep in mind that I don't think we'll have like a, another, what, five episode week. Let me double check as I'm talking right now. I think we had what one two three four and then the one that i'm we're recording now uh five episodes um yeah i don't know we'll be doing that moving forward um obviously we have the get the the game recap shows coming up as well and that's going to be implemented into the schedule so we'll have to try to find a way to streamline things but uh with that being said let's transition into uh the game preview uh, starting with the injury report, uh, as of Thursday, um, let's get an indication of what we know and things like that. So, as far as Thursday is concerned, um, we're recording this before the injury report comes out on Friday. So, uh, right now we have defensive lineman Falarunzo Farukasi of the Jacksonville Jaguars, interior defensive lineman. Uh, he has been limited both days with a calf injury and those who don't know who Foley is because I didn't know who he was yesterday when I was recording a Trapper Die podcast I admittedly didn't but did some research you know apparently a really good run stop and interior defensive lineman with a respectable pass rush I believe he came from the Jacksonville I mean the, the New York Jets a year prior um so this is his first season with the uh with the the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm actually about to double check that one as well. But uh, I think Foley did come from. Yeah, I'm sorry. So Foley came from the New York Jets. And this is his first year with the Jaguars. But that's who he is. Um, according to PF Pro Football Focus, um, he was the third best run defender uh, amongst the interior defensive linemen. And the 24th best pass rusher, which is pretty good. Uh, to be in that rate ranking from an overall standpoint, third best run defender, 24th, top 25 in, in pass rush. So um, keep an eye out on him for, uh, if he is active, keep an eye out on him when he steps onto the field. Again, I don't know his skill 
set to this point. Haven't had an opportunity to really look at them um, for that matter. But ultimately, these guys uh, have a good interior defensive lineman that should be monitored. If he's active, uh, of how Chase Rouye plays against them, obviously, uh, Wes Schweischer and Andrew Norwell as well. So um, that'll be interesting. Uh, moving forward to Washington, I'll get down to the list of names. Cameron Curl, uh, within Thumb, DNP, both days. Uh, Cam Curl is, he was on the side field Thursday, but he did not participate in practice. Uh, his status is up in the air. If you listen to the Logan Paulson pod, he presumed that um, both Derek Forrest and Percy Butler will see more time as a result, but more likely than not, uh, may see some some uh, plenty of Derek Forrest, and um, they're saving. He may he believes that they may be saving uh, Percy Butler's time for free safety roles and things like that. So, um, yeah, Cam Crow DNP, uh, they do have contingency plans in place. Obviously, um, Jack Doe really even hinted to that in his presser, saying that they will be ready to go in the event that he isn't ready. I mean, obviously speaking, right? Of course, they they got to be ready to go. They have to have contingency plans. But, um, you know, preparation is always uh, important. And in the event that he doesn't play, they'll probably have they'll have some some ways to maneuver and, and fill that void uh, in a sense and probably fill it with multiple players. Cam Sims, concussion limited. Logan Thomas, knee limited. Uh, his status is up in the air, according to John Kime. Um, I don't know if he said this publicly, so uh, that's why I'm mentioning him on his podcast. He mentioned week two may be his target return date. If he said it publicly, okay, cool. Um, but week two may be his return date. And his time, his, like I said, his status is up in the air for week one. Um, so uh, as we preview this game, I'm pretty sure just take everything that I'm saying with, with, within the context of the offense that Logan Thomas will not be available. So yeah, there's that. Cole Turner, limited, hamstring, John Bates, calf, he was full. Um, Fedarian Mathis, full as well with an ankle injury. And then Trey Turner, he was full Wednesday and Thursday with a quad injury. Some cleanups. Jags coach Doug Peterson mentioned that James Robinson, for those who are familiar with him, the running back towards Achilles last year, but he's a pretty good running back for the Jaguars. Um, Had two, I think maybe three good seasons with these guys, including last year, um, prior to him getting hurt. Uh, he is 100% back from his torn Achilles. Uh, Peterson said that he thinks that he's back, um, but his workload would depend on his appearance, uh, meaning uh, obviously how he'll play in the game. But Peterson said that he doesn't rule out his normal workload. So Jaguars have James Robinson back and obviously Travis Etienne, which – uh, on paper is a, is a pretty solid, stable running back group at the top of the depth chart. Um, and I think we are good on the injury reports as of Thursday's injury reports. Um, and one thing before we get into the breakdown, um, some notes, a couple of notes, uh, so the Jaguars, interestingly, have lost 16 games in a row against NFC teams. Uh, apparently, it's the longest. Oh my goodness! It's really, 
That's look, sixteen is is it's a it's an incredible number. It's the longest skit in AFC history. The streak spans two head coaches and seven starting quarterbacks. Trevor Lawrence uh contributed to five of those losses. <laughs> um Trevor Lawrence is only five against the NFC. Uh, obviously, you know, uh he's the first to experience a five game uh matchup against the NFC opponents. It's usually just a division game, but now that they added the 17th game, you play that extra NFC team. Um, and Trevor lost all five of those. Uh, but something that goes into Jaguars' favor from a historic standpoint, Doug Peterson is 4-1 in week one as a head coach, including 2-1 and one against Washington. Um, uh, obviously 0-1 against Ron Rivera, uh, with the 17-point comeback Washington had in week one of 2020. So, I don't think I've... And forgive me because I know plenty of people say it, but it's, uh, like when you do a lot of talking, <laughs> you don't necessarily know where uh, you said it. But I'm, if I said it on this podcast, forgive me. But I'm, I'm pretty sure I've said for some time now that I don't think that the Jacksonville Jacksonville Jaguars are slouches. Um, I think that it was going to be a close game heading into the uh, preseason and even heading into the week one. I thought that this was going to be a close game. And uh, I thought it would probably, you know, as they trade punches, will will come down to the wire. And I think, like, as you hear from Jaguars community, when you hear from, uh, how, like, about how their defense is playing, how they're, their offense is coming together and also the age of their team. While, you know, Washington is a young team, but the Jacksonville Jaguars are also young. Uh, it's important to take a lot of things into context. And while I don't want to give it away, like I, I just say that my gut feeling has improved um, or it has changed. Uh, and I can kind of shed light into that in a second. But uh, I think from a, a a standpoint of Washington, man, this is going to be a, a really important game. And I, I think that it's not necessarily one where, you know, you should be too nervous. Obviously, the debut of the commanders from the Washington standpoint, you want to get off to as best foot as possible. Um, you don't want to be in a situation where you're uh, facing an 0-1 hole with a long week ahead of you. Obviously, from a, a radio standpoint, a media standpoint, answering a ton of questions about how you lost to the Jacksonville Jaguars. You don't want any of that. But ultimately, uh, you're going to have to face the music uh, if you fa- if you lose to Jacksonville. And uh, the perception about Jacksonville, like, is this a, uh, what's the right word? Is it really, truly uh, a, a, a bad team? Like, do you view Jacksonville as a layup win? And, I mean, the answer should never be yes. Like, this isn't a layup win. Uh, Ultimately, the Washington Commanders are, while they've had more success, comparatively speaking to the Jacksonville Jaguars, you've only had three playoff appearances in 10 years. Jacksonville has had one, and that was 2017. And they haven't had one since 2017, since like 2007, I believe, or 2008. Uh, so like there, like again, theirs comes few and far in between, but Washington isn't too far behind them. 
And I think that this week is very important for all of the key individuals involved. We've talked about it a thousand times. You can't really get off to a, to a slow start. Speaking from a macro standpoint, uh, you can't afford to get off to a slow start from a public perspective. Uh, but ultimately, uh, as you as we particularly focus on the Jaguars, this is an important game for Scott Turner. Uh, how are you? How are you going to manage like the the the, the capacity of Carson Wentz? Um, but also. How are you going to do your best to try and stay ahead of schedule against a team that uh, is pretty young, but also has some some talented pieces in place in the front seven that, if successful or if on there, if they're on par, coming out the gates can potentially you know wreak havoc in a game. Like these things are important. So, like I said, my gut feeling out. I think it's it's changed as the week has went along, and I've accumulated more information. Um, but we will dive into predictions and MVPs soon enough. Now, let's go ahead and get into our thoughts on the matchup altogether. Uh, but first and foremost, let's get into our sponsor read. This Commander's Game Preview episode is brought to you by Up Consulting, the leading sports consulting firm helping you win your bets and accumulate long-term money. Join their Daily Wager Discord channel for free now. Check the link in the bio and inquire about their one-on-one services to help you win weekly, manage your betting units, and learn the ins and outs of the sports handicapping industry. I am in their Discord channel personally. I've been following P for a long time. I've known P for a long time. They do a really good job with this anti-up consulting industry and this uh, this business altogether. Um, and and they, they do this for a living. And you got to respect it, understand it. You will learn a lot with these guys. You will especially learn a lot with P. He does the one-on-one he can ask all your questions. If you ever had any gambling questions, anything, any concerns uh, and, and wanting to get better because you love it or because it really does entertain you and you want to try to uh, find out how you can find your niche as a gambler. Definitely check out the Discord channel. It's worth your time uh, and it's free. Again, it's free. So with that being said, let's hear from P about his best bet from week one. This week's best bet. I'm going with the New England Patriots. They're catching plus three and a half at the Miami Dolphins. Um, I think we know the struggles that the Patriots have historically had in Miami. Um, I think that's actually built into the the line, though, the, the three and a half. Um, just oh, a week ago, this was about two and a half. It's got up to minus three and a half in Miami. You have a rookie head coach, um, a rookie defensive coordinator, um, you know, some new pieces you're adding in Tyreek Hill, Chase Edmonds, a lot of things to be adjusted. Um, I think they're probably going to come out strong. However, you know, with the adjustments of Bill Belichick, um, I think the three and a half is a little too much. Um, this is also a division dog uh, in week one that has been pretty profitable um, over 60 percent the last nine or 10 years. So I'm going to take the Patriots plus three and a half this week is my best bet um, and ride the Bill Belichick train. All right, so here we go, man. Let's get into our overall thoughts on the the commander's offense. I, I like to do um, go down the line from a one side of the ball to the next side of the ball, and we'll keep it that way uh, here. Like my overall thoughts on this commanders Jaguars matchup. I won't be using too many stats from last year. I do have like small amount of numbers, like in in previous stats from previous years, but 
just with the context of this game, you got to understand, like, this, this is just a whole new matchup that Washington is going up against, a whole new team. Uh, you can't really project for because of how bad that season was last year, how they can do from a team standpoint. Um, but uh, understand, like, not too many stats are going to be used. Week one is always going to be iffy, but let's get to the keys and some obvious things that they need to pay attention to as we get ready for week one. Um, and I'm going to start with the coordinator, man. Uh, I've talked about uh, briefly on Scott Turner, but from an actual game standpoint against the Jaguars, uh, you have to find the mismatches early ASAP and exploit them. Um, I know that uh, we've had concerns from Scott from a Scott Turner standpoint about how uh, he calls plays, but then the, like having that rhythm and and understanding uh, how exactly you can uh, you know work to exploit a particular player and find a mismatch because I think the biggest thing with Washington, um, they trust their scheme a lot, which is perfectly fine. And, and the scheme doesn't necessarily focus on one player. Uh, scheme is more so about how you create mismatch or how you create opportunities downfield. And ultimately, I think one of the best things that you can do when you add in a Curtis uh, Samuel, I'm adding meaning, you know, he's returning from injury, <laughs> right? Uh, but you add in also a Jahan Dotson, and uh, for this for this week, Cole Turner, presumably if he's healthy, and Armani Rodgers, we know that he is healthy, um, and I'm pretty sure he'll get some time as well from a receiving standpoint. Um, you know, it, it, it lessens the load on a Terry McLaurin, and uh, I think that when you when you go up against the Jacksonville Jaguars team, who has a new defensive coordinator, uh, while he's under the Todd Bowles tree, it's a new defensive coordinator, a rookie guy, you have to understand that there's an a uh, young defense in front of you, a new defensive coordinator, you have to take advantage schematically. Uh, and and what that means is not from, like I said, the scheme can get you open, but ultimately, if you're not taking advantage of the game within the game, uh, simply understanding that uh, you can work these Trayvon Walkers, uh, these Josh Allens, um, Chad Muma, presumably if he's if he's starting, um, and is he starting? Let's take a look because uh, Chad Muma is not starting. You have Foyer to Olakun, um, and Devin Lloyd, those rookies, but obviously Devin Lloyd in the three, four front, um, he's probably going to be a, a, a big piece in that, that defense simply from a standpoint of uh, seeing a lot of playing time. You have to find a way to manipulate these younger guys and test these guys early and often. But what does that mean? Misdirection is going to be important. I think uh, trying to get to that second level of the defense behind these linebackers, having them commit to one way um, on the road. And like, this is a, a situation like when you're on the road as a rookie or as a new defense, like you're going to be amped up. You're going to be anxious and you may forget some of your simplest keys. And um, like I'm, I'm banking on that, but it's also on Scott Turner to really identify that uh, from, from his standpoint. And uh, you got to find them ASAP and exploit them, take advantage of things like that, and and understand what aggression looks like. Aggression doesn't always look like um, taking 50 shots downfield. Aggression looks like, I like what I'm doing to this guy. I want to make sure that he understands he is the weakest link in the Jacksonville Jaguars. Better find a way to hide him or get him off the field completely, whoever that may be. But I think it's going to be one of the younger, that, younger guys that you have to target. And what does that look like from an offensive standpoint? Terry McLaurin, um... You can move him around. You can move Jahan around. 
Jahan may ultimately be that guy that that works the mismatch, man, because he can do a lot of things from the slot as a Z motion man. Um, and and obviously, you, know, you can work Terry as a boundary guy, but at the end of the day, Jahan, because he's so flexible uh, and, and you can move him around as much, why you can do all three in Curtis, Samuel, Terry, and Jahan, he'll have that opportunity early on as a rookie. Um, and obviously, with not a lot of tape on him, that he'll have to show the defensive coordinators that they need to respect him. So for me, my mismatch starts with Jahan Dotson from a receiving standpoint, um, and then you transition to maybe J.D. McKissick as well out of the backfield. Um, because, again, while I, I believe that they should, and I've said this, um, should have a, a healthy rotation at running back in terms of ball carrying and who gets these touches, um, I think that they'll probably feature – Antonio Gibson has like a, a 20 plus carry back um, this week. So uh, you have to work those men's matches, find them or find them early. My next one is a matchup that I'm going to be interested in watching. Um, Trayvon Walker versus Sam Cosme. I've heard from uh, Tony Wiggins uh, of the Locked On Jaguars podcast. He mentioned that Trayvon will probably and this is according to him, and he's not entirely too sure, like 100% certain yet, but what he does understand to this point, at least on at least the week of heading into the game, is that uh, Trayvon Walker will ultimately be looked or aligned next to a tight end. They'll try to move him as where the tight end moves. Um, so this matchup may actually be Trayvon Walker versus Sam Cosby and Charles Leno that, that needs to be watched, but... Um, I'm on that early and often because from what we understand, Trayvon is a raw talent. Like we keep, I keep hearing that word all week, raw, 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 raw. And, um, for me, I'm in a situation where, uh, you have to, you have to eliminate that early and often, because if you give that guy, a young man, some confidence, uh, as raw as he is, they say that, uh, that pure ability, that strength, that athleticism, while he doesn't have many pass rush moves, uh, he does have one effective one. <laughs> and if he can get inside your chest as an offensive lineman, uh, they say that that power and stuff like that can really take over a game and take over a matchup. So um, you have to, uh, I'm not going to sit here and say that you have to do anything. That's just going to be a matchup I'm watching because again, if he's having success, uh, the walls are going to be closing in on uh, Carson Wentz pretty quickly uh, from a, from a pass protection standpoint, and even from a run defense, uh, run offense standpoint. So if you can't secure that, that edge, uh, and, and, and box them out and, and get them out, uh, of the gaps, then you're probably in a situation where uh, you're having a long day on whichever side of the ball that Trayvon Walker is on. And speaking of the run game, uh, establish the run. Uh, I know that's a cliche macro answer, but to be more specific, you just can't get behind the sticks in the run game with AG. Uh, I am a proponent. Like I, I've said, and I still think this. Um, like Ron Rivera said that you know they're not worried about AG, and Scott Turner said the same thing. But I don't fully buy it. Um, I think circumstance, you know, propels them to say something like that uh, because they're forced to talk about AG again, and you're not going to publicly bash them. And I don't think that's like you shouldn't have to do that at all. Like you don't have to. I'm not saying you publicly publicly bash Antonio Gibson. And I also don't say that you you don't have to say that you full, you fully don't trust him or you don't trust him at all. I'm in a point in a position where I think that uh, Antonio Gibson uh, can't mess up. 
and they're hoping and praying that he doesn't mess up, all right? Because you don't want to have to talk about him again in the media. And also, uh, you don't want to have to force your hand and say that we can't even start you over Jonathan Williams and J.D. McKissick, right? Like, they have to play AG, and AG has to work out. Um, so there's no reason to say anything negatively about him, but I'm just saying that I don't fully buy it when they say that they're not worried about AG. Ultimately, my point, uh, getting behind the sticks in the run game with AG, I think that uh, Antonio is in a really good position to take over this game. Um, the Jags had issues last year staying disciplined in run defense. Um, like While they're supposed to have a better defensive front, right? You have to challenge and create opportunities. It stems back from something where I said with Scott Turner, uh, the misdirection is going to be interesting, seeing how these young guys play their keys and how disciplined they are. You have to test them early in that instance. Um, powers, counters, things like that. Uh, maybe even some fake jet sweeps, whatever. Um, but ultimately, having a good run defense, I mean, run offense, uh, you have to establish the run because if you're one dimensional against this team, um, you're looking at a situation where, uh, what's his name? Carson Wentz is in for another long week, another long week against the Jacksonville Jaguars. So establishing the run is going to be important. Um, I think that Antonio is probably looking at 16 to 17 plus touches. Uh, while, like I said earlier, I think that they're looking at him while Brian Robinson, if I wasn't clear, while Brian Robinson is out like their 20 plus carry guy. But um, this this week is probably going to be a little bit of a mix uh, to start things off and you know, it depends on the matchup. But like, if if they can keep Jacksonville in a situation where they they don't have to pass it as much, then maybe you are looking at twenty five plus carries for Antonio Gibson. Who knows? Um, I don't expect this offense to really take a thousand shots downfield. Uh, Scott Turner uh, and and Carson Wentz, I think that they'll love that opportunity when it comes. But if you're in a situation where uh, you can establish a good healthy balance. Um, ultimately that middle of the field will open up. Um, they'll go from two high, two high, uh, shells or two, two high safeties to bring in one in the box. If you can effectively create a ground game and those lie your shot opportunities, um, having that single high up there and, and having the, the abilities to attack the sidelines and things like that. So we'll see uh, how that turns out. Uh, ultimately, I think that when you have that young defense and you have some cornerbacks that I do respect, um, Darius Williams and Shaq Griffin, uh, those are some guys that I I really respect. And my my boy uh, AJ from Trapper Dive likes Andre Sisco, their free safety. You have some talent in that secondary, uh, but if you ask if you can really compare or if you think that they're good enough to compete on a down-to-down basis against Washington's uh, receivers and their weapons, I would bet against that. Um, So ultimately, you will have your opportunities downfield. It's really about can Scott Turner uh, work in those shot plays well. Um, Carson Wentz, uh, he is naturally an aggressive quarterback, so he'll be looking for those opportunities. Uh, But can Scott Turner match him up well to really uh, scheme something up for for what should be open downfield and and can Carson Wentz connect? Um, that's the most important thing. Can he connect? Obviously, Carson Wentz. Speaking of him, protecting the football is going to be important. Um, but ultimately, uh, I think 
if you can keep him clean, like that's the most important thing with all quarterbacks, but certain quarterbacks, it mentally does affect them. And in week one, you don't really want that to show its face <laughs> this early. Um, whether or not you believe that he gets in trouble from a mental standpoint um, when he starts seeing a lot of pressure and feeling a lot of pressure. Uh, but I, I think that whether or not you you agree or disagree, I just think that when you're in a situation with uh, how he ended the season against Jacksonville, and uh, I don't want to make it all about them, but if you're able to create pressure and you're going up against another uh, offensive line where you think that you can take it, from their perspective, you think that you can take advantage of, like this defense from Jacksonville, they're saying they're playing with a chip on their shoulder. Um, you know, for whatever that means, but don't expect uh, Jacksonville to just lay down and and as it relates to Washington's offensive line, um, you would love to see them guys uh, win their one-on-ones and obviously uh, focus and, and get proper uh, pass protection calls right. I think Chase Ruye is in the in, in the in a really good spot, and, and Carson Wentz actually alluded to, you know, how intelligent he was and how he trusts Chase Ruye. So that's also uh, very interesting. So from a pass protection standpoint, keeping Carson Wentz clean is ultimately the biggest thing as it relates to the quarterback position because if you can keep him clean, uh, I'm sure that he'll be able to take advantage and, and create opportunities for his receivers as well. Um, but, again, we'll we'll see. It's, it's hard to really project until you start seeing things on paper. I mean, excuse me, start seeing things on film so and, and on the game. So that's that's kind of how that'll work. Um, and then the last thing on offense, man, it's when it's simple. Just you have to you have to take advantage of being on the plus side of the field. Like whenever you're inside the 40, we need to see points. Anytime we're in the 40, I mean inside the 40, have to see points. No shanked field goals. Uh, that's the obvious thing, right? Same thing with with converting on third downs and in red zones. Like those are all obvious things. But ultimately, uh, when you don't do that against a team, and, and and you'll probably hear the same thing when when I get to the defense. When you don't hear those or don't see those things against a team in Jacksonville who uh, has a good coach who believes that the the, the culture is changing um, and want to fight for their new coach, especially in week one. If you don't capitalize on those opportunities on the plus side of the football field, ladies and gentlemen, this is this is how an upset happens. Um, and this is how the shock and all happens. <laughs> so understand that converting is important. Now, as we transition to the defense, uh, opportunities are important. I'm not going to sit here and say anything about uh, statistically how bad Washington was last year, right? I'm not even going to sit here and project that this defense is going to be very good against the Jaguars offense or that I'm concerned that they can't get off the field uh, or anything like that. I think opportunities are going to be important. Um, Trevor Lawrence last year had 17 picks and he had nine fumbles in 2021. Has he changed? I don't know. But the chemistry, as you heard Jordan DeLugo on the last episode, the chemistry is changing with these guys and it's changing for the better and, and Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence. And if you're understanding an offense like Doug Peterson's, which is something that Trevor isn't too unfamiliar with, you have to ensure that you get into his face early and often to disrupt whatever it is that they want to get accomplished. I mean, that's the obvious thing, right? But creating turnovers and getting off the field is what opportunities look like. Um, You can give up all the yards you want. 
Washington defense, okay? Like, give up all the yards you want. But you need to create turnovers. And when those third downs present you, uh, however much they're moving the ball, uh, you need to find a way to get off the field uh, as they're approaching the 50 and, and plus side. Like, eliminate those big plays, the turnovers and things. Like, I mean, excuse me, eliminate the big plays and touchdowns and, and big touchdowns. But if you have to give up a few first downs to get off on the third, third down, so be it. But create turnovers, that's the first and foremost thing we've talked about. It. No turnovers in the preseason. Seven tur- seven games last year without a turnover forced. Um, it starts in week one, getting off on the right foot on that side of the football. Who's going to make a play um, on, on the front? Sweat. Josh, Josh Sweat, Montez Sweat, and Jonathan Allen have to be the disruptors that, you know, we anticipate them to be, specifically Montez Sweat. A flashback again to another podcast, Logan Paulson uh, on the Hogshaven uh, Wednesday's episode. He, he talked about, and I agree with him, um, Montez Sweat uh, is in for a big season, has to have a big season. But ultimately, I think week one, he can take advantage of his matchups against these tackles. Uh, and while I, I like, you know, the power that he brings, he has to find a way to finish. And if he can implement some of the pass rush moves and, and specifically speed rushes that he was using in training camp, if he can implement them in the game, then we're talking about an even better Montez Sweat. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he brings to the table. Uh, but ultimately, you need to have uh, Sweat as a disruptor against the Jacksonville Jaguars from an edge standpoint. Um, Jonathan Allen, I'm pretty, I'm fairly confident he'll he'll be all right. Uh, and um, typically he lines up on the right side of the ball, so I don't I don't think he'll face Brandon Sheriff too much. Um, so that'll be interesting on how many times he faced Brandon Sheriff, but also um, if he actually does. Uh, so that's the first thing. Uh, another thing is Doug Peterson. It's just a note, uh, not necessarily a. A thing that'll actually happen against Washington, but I do think that they have the pieces to do so. Doug Peterson ran 12 personnel in 2020 at a league high 35% um, of the time, passing on 64% of those plays, though. Uh, the high emphasis on 12 personnel uh, brings us to the tight end room. Evan Ingram and Dan Arnold, they're both receiving first tight ends, but shaky situations um, around them. Around each of them leaves more to be desired. That's per Sports Info Solutions. Uh, but ultimately, my point of bringing this stat up is 12 personnel is a very interesting look because it brings linebackers on the field. You have that two tight end set. Unless you run around Buffalo Nickel against these guys, good luck. But they are receiving tight ends, so you can kind of you can kind of take your chance with that. But my point is, um, even with Washington facing a, a Peterson team. And 12 personnel, when you when you pass 64% of those times, that's that's the highest percentage um, in the NFL. Uh, typically, you're, you're seeing teams run close to 50, if not more than 50% of the time, in 12 personnel. So what that does is create opportunity in the, the, the RPO game and obviously creating mismatches with your tight ends. And what does that do for Washington? And what does that mean for Washington? When you play against Evan Ingram, who's an athletic freak, obviously we know about his hands being inconsistent, but he's an athletic freak and he can challenge you on all three levels of the field from from an inside standpoint. Uh, and Dan Arnold, who's a receiving guy as well, Cole Holcomb and Jamin Davis need to be ready. They'll be playing majority of the game, if not all of the game. 
they'll face all of the looks against these two tight end sets. And um, they're gonna have a they're gonna need to have a big game, a big debut in 2022 with the the Washington Commanders. <laughs> um, all of that needs to happen with Cole Holcomb and Jamin Davis uh, and their opportunities against this 12 personnel look. Um, it's only like I said, the league high 35 percent of the time. Um, but also you're not going to see it too much, but again, if you see it enough and a look in which it kills you, um, and like you see about 13, 14, uh, personnel usages of 12, 12 personnel usages. And out of those 13, 14 times, uh, they are exploiting the second level of the field. That's a lot. A that is a lot of yards given up in one game. 13, 14 plays, and they're successful over 60% of the time. That's a lot of yards that you're giving up. Um, So, yeah, I think Cole Holcomb and Jamie Davis really need to be ready against this type of offense that Doug Peterson brings. Um, And I'm sure that they'll have some interesting looks ready for those two, Doug Peterson meaning specifically, um, ready to test these younger guys. Uh, There's a lot of tape on Jamie from his year one season. And I'm sure Doug dove into that. Then Doug also has tape on Cole Holcomb for like three years. So uh, obviously he's developing, but they're going to be testing him on that side of the ball. So I think that'll be important. Um, And then uh, obviously out of that too, that one look uh, RPO works when you have a, uh, works best when you have a successful rush offense. So it's going to be important for guys like for Mathis, Deron Payne, and obviously that front, front four uh front five as a whole to really dig into uh the trench game and, and dominate that offensive line uh, if you eliminate that rush offense early it becomes discouraging um and, and teams aren't going to really run against you and especially if you can establish a lead as well um offensively but as we stick to this defense you have to find a way to eliminate and make these guys one-dimensional that's always the goal against a game, in a game but when it comes to a jaguars team again we're talking about a team that's really looking forward to controlling the game. Uh, they have a young quarterback. They have a young team. How do you control the game? You, uh, you're balanced offensively. You're chewing the clock, T.O.P. Um, and then also uh, converting in key situations. And for Washington, the way to get over that hump is to eliminate the ground game. Do not give them opportunity. Trevor Lawrence is a guy where we talked about his, his turnovers, right, in 2021. But he's... He's, his mobility is incredible. Like, they're going to be testing you in multiple ways. And ultimately, if you can't stop the run from a scrambling standpoint or from a designed quarterback run, uh, then you're going to be in a situation where we're like, bro, why is the score 17 to 17 heading to the fourth quarter? And not why is it 17 to 6 or 21, 21 to 10? Like, that's kind of where we're at with this this Washington defense um, altogether, stopping the run, being creating opportunities. Uh, but also, there's one person in particular in the past game that needs to be uh, focused on, and that's Christian Kirk. Obviously, again, when we talk about running as well, um, Travis Etienne and, and James Robinson, some really good young backs. Um, so, yeah, you have to get them down to the ground as well because Etienne is a hard runner. He's explosive. James Robinson is consistent. But ultimately, it comes down to uh, making sure that you, you wrap these guys up because there's some really good young backs. But, like, back to the receiver, Christian Kirk. Um, that's my guy. That's a guy that I believe in. I know a lot of people are looking at his money and saying he ain't worth all that. But at the end of the day, um, 
Christian Kirk is still a good receiver. As you look at the Jaguar situation, Marvin Jones and Zay Jones are good, but you can't allow Christian Kirk to go off in the slot. Um, that's the that's the exact position that'll kill Washington. And it's not a disrespect to Benjamin St. Juice because Ben St. Juice is a good player, but he's also in a new position in the NFL. And Christian Kirk is one of the premier slot receivers in the NFL. And he's better than that. He can challenge you vertically. He can cha- Again, when we talk about all three levels like Evan Ingram, Christian Kirk can do the same thing. So they have to find a way to eliminate him because if he can eat all day, then Trevor Lawrence and him are going to have a, a really big game on Sunday. So I think it's really about stopping Christian Kirk on that side of the football. That wraps it up for a brief um, game preview for this episode. Again, it's hard to really project so much in week one. Um, and I know I did some specifics. Uh, obviously, we know about Jack Del Rio. We talked about him so much. We know about Scott Turner. We talked about him so much. And same thing with Ron Rivera. It is a very big uh, game and big week for these guys. And uh, getting off to one of those starters is going to be important. Um, hopefully, it's not an ugly dub. Um, hopefully, it's something where you're ugly, meaning like they should have lost. Um, back and forth games, you know it is what it is. Training punch, trading punches, it is what it is. That's part of the sport. Um, and the Jaguars, I think, is a team that slept on. Uh, they're not that three-win that three win team or four-win team that people think of. I think that they're capable of seven, anywhere between seven and uh, seven to eight wins. Or I think that's that's fair enough, <laughs> seven to eight wins. Um, and if their younger talent actually ascends and develops quicker than expected, you're probably looking at nine, a winning season. But I do have them losing on Sunday. Washington for my official prediction, does get the win. I'm thinking 24-20. to 20, um, Washington probably gives up like a late touchdown to close the lead from 11 to uh, to 11 points to 4 points. Uh, but Washington ultimately wins the game, and I think it's going to be a comfortable victory for Washington from a standpoint of uh, them not being concerned uh, throughout the entire game. So it's a competitive game, but not too concerned. Uh, when it comes down to the final score type of thing. So Washington goes 1-0 this weekend. Uh, up next, man, is the, the good conversation with Mark P. If you are a gambler, you're going to love this episode, man. You're going to love this interview. Uh, P is a guy who who essentially does this for a living, man. And uh, he's made a, a good name for himself in the DMV area, but he does a really good consulting job. But he also does really good uh, job looking at the lines, analyzing the lines, the gambling lines. And uh, he's going to break down some of his games that he's watching this week. Uh, and why he's watching them, but he also spits some game in terms of them, some some need to knows with with betting in general and in betting football and betting sports and and altogether and and what makes somebody an effective gambler and how you can improve yourself if you if this is your lane if this is something that you like to do. So with that being said, I'm out of here. Uh, you'll hear the post game uh, next from me, but right now is Marky P of Any Up Consulting, a conversation that we had together. Peace. Joining us right now is Mark Pringle, a.k.a. Marky P, my guy, the, CD, the CEO of Anti-Up Consulting. Um, he's here to inform us on the need to knows about the NFL as we kick off week one. P, I do appreciate you joining me today. I, I think um, let's start off with some of the things that you're eyeing in terms of week one. Uh, I'm going to give you the floor in terms of you can run through whatever games that's popping up. Uh, and, and, and see what angles you got for these games, man. The floor is yours. Of course, man. I appreciate you for having me, man. First of all, you know, we're going to do this all year long. 
Um, and, you know, this is what we do is just, you know, study the game st- Sunday to Sunday and really get it in. So, uh, yeah, I mean, let's talk Let's talk uh, some of the lines. Uh, one of the things week one, a lot of people are scared to bet um, because they want to see a few things happen already. But division dogs, they're pretty money. 19 and four gets the spread, 82 percent um, since 2009. So they're pretty profitable always in week one. That's always something to look at. Uh, one of those games right now is Patriots plus three and a half. I'm looking at as the best bet. Um, Patriots, uh, you know, in Miami, not so profitable Miami, over the okay. years. Um, but a lot of people are getting caught up in that. This is a rookie coach, rookie defensive coordinator. Um, and, you know, New England has actually, actually adjusted. They've been down there since Monday this week. So they're getting used to that humidity. And I just think three and a half in division, you know, with all these new pieces, with the Tyreek Hills, all of that. Um, I think that's a little too much. So I love the Patriots plus three and a half. So I, the divisional thing is is definitely interesting. And uh, just on that game in particular, um, Mac Jones, man, he's heading into year two with a, a, a year under his belt, pretty much starting the whole entire season. I don't think he missed one game, whether it's COVID or injury. I don't think he missed a game, but uh, has a whole season under his belt. And, uh, this this whole team, like, it's interesting you mentioned the Tariq Hills. Uh, they got a, C, uh, uh, Cedric Wilson, uh, Gusecki obviously coming back. They had another guy, oh, Jalen Waddle. Like, yep. and then, like, like, they have talent on that side of the ball. And uh, from a, from an actual X's and O's standpoint, um, yeah, the, the line is very important. And, and that's what you, that's what your expertise is. Uh, what do you think about the game itself? Like, who, like, how, how, how does a, a Patriot team keep up with the Dolphins, and, and, and truth be told, like, Patriots aren't a terrible team. Clearly, they made the playoffs last year, but how are they keeping up with the Dolphins team who essentially uh, is only uh, three-and-a-half-point favorites because they're at home? Like, because they do get the – you get you do get the three just for being at home anyway. Right. Well, now and nowadays, they would give you just two-and-a-half. The home field doesn't mean as much as it did, you know, five to ten years ago. Um, so, I mean, this is saying basically that uh, Miami's a full point better um, than the New England Patriots. I mean, New England, we know Bill Belichick, you know, he's the, the, the genius. He's over 60% against the spread as a head coach, uh, period. Um, he's always, like, up for, you know, everybody's motivated week one. I, I, also, I, I started this game like in Miami, minus the two points. Um, so it got down to around two and a half, and I was probably going to buy a half a point to make it two. However, you know, it's, it's up to three and a half now, and nothing's changed at all. There's been no injuries. There's been no, like, you know, key, uh, you know, players out for whatever reasons. Um, this line is just moving uh, because people see the stats of in Miami, how the Patriots play. Um, but a lot of those games have been either at the end of the season where, you know, not that much matters or, um, you know, they couldn't get used to that humidity a short week. A short week. Well, this, have, they have the entire offseason to get ready for this week one matchup in Miami. They've been there since early in the week. So I still like New England plus the three and a half. But I definitely think it's going to be a close game. Speaking of funky lines, let's not bury the lead too much here. Um, Washington started off as four and a half point favorites. Um, even at that number, I like Jacksonville. Uh, I, I always thought that Jacksonville was going to be closer than, than people would imagine in terms of uh, skill set, roster wise, and overall being uh, slept on in a sense. And the line is now shrunk to two and a half in most places. What are some things that you're paying attention to in a situation like this uh, when it comes to Jacksonville and Washington? Yeah, actually, Washington, uh, I'm leaning. Um, they're t- maybe one of my favorite bets this week. 
they're laying okay. two and a half. Um, yeah, I know, right? Um, but they're laying two and a half. And like I said, you catch value from things like this. Like the opening line was it was up to four. I remember, uh, you know, at a cookout in July, it was at four, and now it's down to two and a half. Like we said, nothing major's changed. Nothing's happened. You know, uh, you know, all the teams are pretty much like you know just got through training camp and are expected to be who they are expected to be. I think Carson Wentz is going to be a little slept on because last time we saw him, he played awful for the Colts in Week 17. Um, but he, however, he's been a pretty good quarterback over his career. He just had like certain moments where he didn't play well. I just think that you know Washington is getting a little um, undervalued here and at minus two and a half at home, which is basically that's the home field advantage. Although. But Washington might just be two points. But I think they're at least a half a point better to one point better than this Jacksonville team. And I think they'll be able to get it done at home. Yeah, this one scares me, man, because the Chargers, like last year, I'm an idiot because I I, I I knew what I knew what I was supposed to bet. And the Chargers, I don't remember the exact number anymore. It's, it's been a year, but week one Chargers at Washington. Um, I was like off the strength of it being week one, uh, I'm a row with the home team. And I'm gonna take the spread with the with Washington, whatever the number was. I don't remember what it was at the time. And, and something is telling. Yeah. Okay, all right, yeah, bet, bet. So it was like it was damn near a pick 'em. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, Mo, you know, as this number keeps going down, because it ultimately ran to like uh zero, like an actual pick 'em type type situation. I was like, Mo, you know what you're supposed to be, you know what side you're supposed to be on right now. Don't you shouldn't even be taking this bet if you really want to bet Washington. You should just lay off. I, I took Washington uh with a number like slowly decreasing in favor of, of chargers and uh something is, is i'm getting like the flashbacks to deja vu with jacksonville and washington so that's kind of where i was at like this line is a little funky to me uh for washington to be you know on on paper better than jacksonville but yet that line is shrinking in favor of jacksonville no i totally understand because i i, I was in that in a similar boat last year um you know with washington in that week one matchup but think about this um, so obviously we know Ron Rivera, his, his seat's a little hotter this year coming into this year. Um, so, you know, he has a little bit of more motivation. Um, we know Chase Young is not there, um, but overall that was a pretty close game last season, week one. Um, the third down convergence really killed Washington. But when we think about it, Jacksonville was pretty much the worst team in the league last season. Um, and, you know, although a new coach, let's, we're gonna, we have to upgrade Washington with the quarterback, right? Taylor Heineke started the year. Carson Wentz is just a better quarterback. Like, I don't, you know what I mean? I understand he hasn't always shown up in the big lights, but he is a better quarterback. And I just think that in this position against a weak, a much weaker team than we saw from those, you know, Chargers last season, I think that um, Washington is in a prime spot here. Copy that, man. Copy that. Let's move to another team uh, in the NFC East, Philly. Um Let's. What do you think about their offseason altogether? I, I'll give you the floor about about their offseason, and we can talk about that line. But what, what do you think about Philly and how they how they played their cards this offseason, accumulating the talent? Yeah, I mean, I think it all coincides with this itself, right? So they're laying four right now. Um, they had a great offseason acquiring AJ Brown. Um, you know, I think that recently they got Gardner Johnson from the Saints, James Bradbury, Hassan Reddick, amongst others. So they really put themselves in a prime position. Um, you know, especially with drafting Devontae Smith last year, second year receivers always take a pretty good step. Um, so I think that they've done tremendous this offseason. Um, however, we've also seen them do this before. So we have to be a little wary of that dream team. Um, but I think it coincides with the line um, minus four. It'll probably be a little higher if Detroit wasn't on hard knocks because people get a little hype around uh. that, too. Right. 
Okay. So, yeah. you know, when we talk about this game line, um, this is actually, uh, you know, I definitely lean with Philadelphia just because I think they're the better team. Um, but, you know, this is, you know, leaning towards a stay away from me, especially as it just lays at this, you know, this four and this kind of no man's land. Both teams are getting so much hype, you know, for different reasons. And I just feel like, you know, at home, Detroit, inside a uh, – they play inside a dome. Um, that could be a little underrated. So I'll probably stay away from this game totally. Now, for those who aren't familiar, and, and this is, again, P does an excellent job breaking down the lines, breaking down the games. But something uh, – a small nugget that you mentioned too, um, no man's land. The four-point number. What are some key numbers for you that you like to play, and what would entice you to buy up or buy down uh, in a particular situation? Yeah, overall, um, I like betting underdogs. Usually, I like catching points, which is like plus, you know, the two and a half, three and a half points. Overall, because um, you know, when you're minus six points or something, you could be up three late and just nail the ball out. If I have an underdog, you know, plus points, they're always they always want to win. So, you know, our, our interests are aligned. So I want to start there. Um, but, you know, key numbers are all, you know, the three, the sixes, six and a half, the seven, um, you know, ten, ten and a half, nine. So I, I, I use those as key numbers. Um, you know, when I usually want to buy a point, let's say, um, you know, Washington uh, is minus two and a half. You know, maybe I want to, you know, if I'm on the other side, maybe I want to buy a point to make it three. Um, you know, just so I could have that leeway for a push with the, um, you know, the, the field goal, the extra point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I don't, um, I don't know. I don't have like a, a set rule for buying points. However, um, you know, I think some people would rule against that, but I found success with it. Yeah. Certain, certain numbers, like you said, it's, it's just hard. Like I, I know for, cause I'm a, I'm a dog guy too. I, I love betting the underdogs. Uh, it's, it's more so it, like it. It makes it easier for me to decipher through certain games and just understanding the underdog side. But ultimately, like, I feel like I have a window. And in my window, uh, again, like you said, I don't have a particular number per se. And, and But, like, if there's, like, a three and a half, okay, I have to lock in as soon as possible because I don't want to buy – like, if it jumps down to three, I don't want to make that that huge purchase to, to – to, to, what's it called? Big – I don't want to buy it back up to three and a half um, and, and take money out of my pocket. Uh, if I have that six and a half window, then I'll, I'm like, all right, I may have to wait a little bit because I really like this underdog. But sometimes you don't know how I play. Like it even go down to either six and a half to six or six and a half to seven, whichever side you're on. But you you clearly you want that full touchdown and things like that. So it's like I have this thing in my head where you, you, you kind of hope to either play this game where you have that window or if you play that game, you hope that the window works out in your favor sometimes. And that's kind of how I view it. Um, I don't know. I mean, obviously, everybody has their different methods. But, yeah, that that window is 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 very important to me trying to figure out, you know, how I want to lock in. Like, that two and a half, if I, if I like Jacksonville for – if we were talking about the Washington one again, I would have done the plus four and a half and left it there. But now at two and a half, if I was still on Jacksonville, then I would, I would be a little frustrated. <laughs> No, I, I totally understand that. Like, I, you know, I think it's just it just comes down to like how you feel. You know, sometimes you don't either like some guys don't want to get a push at all. So, you know, I understand that. Um, well, I'd really I don't sway that way, though. I think the Vegas and Chargers game is a pretty good example. It's gone down okay. from three and a Let's half. About to that three. One. Yep. It's gone down from three and a half to three back and forth. 
And, um, you know, my thoughts on the game was originally I wanted to kind of catch the three and a half of Vegas until it went down to three. Um, but then you think about like sort of their offensive line, um, you know, play and their drafts over the past few years kind of sways me away. But I mean, if you're laying three and a half with the Chargers, you're kind of counting on their defense to be better. And I think that's a lot to ask when they were so bad last year. So I think that's a game that kind of meets that criteria. Now, one more divisional game we have here. Um, Dallas and Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay are two and a half point road favorites against the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, how have you been looking at this one? Is this a stay, stay away from, from you or, or you, you got some you got some things that you're leaning to? Um, I wouldn't call it a stay away um, for me. Uh, I just think that, you know, I probably like like to catch the points and maybe tease the, uh, you know, Dallas up to like eight and a half. Um, and then also, you know, tease the um, the over, you know, down to like, what is this, 51 now. So like down to 44. Because um, I think that la- last year, week one, I was the only person on our podcast that kind of leaned with Dallas uh, as Tampa Bay was laying nine. Um, but I think Tampa Bay has a lot to adjust to. And I think Michael Parsons is an incredible player. Like, he might be, you know, top 10, top five this year. So I think they're going to make it pretty tough for um, Brady to throw the ball. You know, he has a lot of alignment out right now. Um, he's been a little uninterested this, uh, you know, this training camp as he took some time off. So I'd rather catch points on a night game with the Cowboys, uh, you know, at home rather than lay it with Tampa Bay, who has, you know, a lot of adjustments to make, even with the Chris God, where we don't know if he's going to play mispractice today. Now, in terms of uh, favorites on both sides, like, do you do, do you do season props, team totals and things like that? Is that something that's, that's in your, in your ballpark? Uh, it's not really, I'm not high on them. Um, I just kind of like to, you know, move week to week, uh, you know, meticulously, um, but I, I have put down some, you know, future bets. Um, some of my guys, uh, Prop God Paris, he's pretty good with future bets. Um, so I usually try to stay in my lane. Um, but however, you know, I have found some, you know, here and there, whether it's NFL, NBA, um, you know, where I feel like I could take advantage of and will do so um, if I really like it. If you had to make a, a pick for both AFC and NFC, um, then what – what team would you pick? Because I, I I don't know if you have the odds in front of you, but just generally speaking, if you don't, what team are you picking uh, in terms of AFC and NFC to really have the best shot to make it out of their conference? Yeah, um, for NFC, I mean, I'll start with Green Bay. Like, I think, you know, you can get pretty good odds on them, um, you know, as, as far as to win the conference. I don't have them right in front of me. But, um, you know, I, I just think that, you know, they played well without Devontae Adams in the past. You know, it's it's been you know a pretty good sample oh, size. My bad. I, yep. I cut cut you off for a quick second. So the favorites starting is Tampa Bay three plus three forty five. I'll do the top five for you. Tampa right. Bay at uh, plus three forty five. Green Bay at plus four fifty. Rams plus five hundred. Uh, San Fran plus seven fifty, and then the Dallas Cowboys at oh Dallas and Philly. They're both tied at at plus a thousand. So here we go. Yeah, I mean, I'm not mad at the Philly if you want to go that way. Like, we could see Jalen Hurts take, a, you know, a big step this season. I mean, that's a lot of things coming out of camp is, you know, as far as his accuracy. So, I mean, a plus 1,000, I definitely see value there. But I would go with the Packers coming out the NFC um, as well. So, I'll sprinkle a little on those two teams. Packers, I just feel like they have such a large sample size playing without Devontae Adams. And we've seen the success. And, um, you know, you go from there. And then they're still playing in a weak division. 
two-time MVP back-to-back quarterback. I just think there's a lot of value there with Green Bay, um, and they're going to they have a pretty good defense to, um, over the past couple of years as well. So I think there's value there. AFC is a little trickier. Is is so many teams, good teams. Um, I would probably top five right quick. Oh yeah, let's do AFC. Okay. All right, so we have Buffalo, obviously the favorite, plus 325. Kansas City, uh, next up, 550, plus 550. Chargers, plus 750. Baltimore and Denver, plus 900. They're both tied for four. And then number five is the Cincinnati Bengals, plus 1,100. Yeah, hearing those odds, I would definitely go towards a, a Baltimore um, or Kansas City. Um, sprinkle okay. a little on both. Kansas City, we know they have some adjustments to make. But we got Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, you know, that start there, and that's really good. They have to get that defense together. But Baltimore, with Lamar Jackson, were, you know, pretty much at the top of the AFC last year before he got hurt and missed the final six games, I believe. Um, so I think there's a lot of value there with uh, that team. And, you know, I, I know he's going through a contract situation, but I think that he's going to play – I think he played well last year throwing the ball, and he's going to get better this year. And uh, we could see a team like Cincinnati taking a step back and, you know, the Baltimore really running that north. What type of bets do you make? Are you a, are you straight parlay teaser, um, et cetera? Like we did, we just talked about the props for a second. We did futures, but um, like, do you do some, some, some week to week props and things like that? What type of bets uh, do you make? Yeah, for me, uh, it's definitely I'm a week to week guy. I like to study the lines, the teams, the injuries, all of the you know things that go in in and out to the uh, football week. But yeah, I love the. I mean, I'm mostly I straight bet. Um, you know, I usually like like to put a few few units on one particular bet, um, profit that way. Sprinkle a little on you know parlay here or there, but not get too crazy. Um, you know, last year I was seventy percent. Um, you know, in greater you know teasers. So I found that, you know, that was a little bit of my lane. I would do a two-team teaser, drop, you know, a few units on it and bring that home. And then, you know, also sprinkle uh, some on, you know, a straight line as well. But, you know, I like to bet that way because, you know, that's the best way to bet long term. Um, because I, I want to do this till I'm, I'm on my deathbed, Maul. I don't know if you know. but uh, <laughs> Oh, look, I'm, I'm, well, I'm well aware. <laughs> I'm well yeah, aware. <laughs> so I just want to continue, you know, to to you know bet long term. Sprinkle, you know, twenty dollars here on the parlay, which I've won for you know a thousand last year. You know, so little things like that. But I definitely want to just you know bet straight and you know uh, you know bet several units or you know half a unit, however confident I am on it, and win that way. That works best for me. Yeah, and and I think that the part that you mentioned is um, finding what works for you. And, and, and when you found out the teasers worked for you, you, you just drove home at it. And, and obviously a, a very good win percentage uh, in gambling, like 70% is, is incredible. I was about to cuss. I had to wash my mouth for a second, but 70% <laughs> is incredible. Uh, what are some like common mistakes that you come across with betters? And, and I guess from a consulting standpoint, cause you told me some stories and I guess if you, if you do have one that you want to share on, on the, on the record and the floor is yours, but what are some from a consulting standpoint, uh, like what wisdom you can share with, with gamblers and people as we gear up for this, uh, this season? Yeah. I mean, I know we all like to, you know, want to hit the big parlay and everything like that, but, um, you know, the, you know, you can't always just bet like that. Like, you know, how, how you got to be a really great better to, you know, win five NFL games, you know, on, on a weekly basis in the NFL. Um, so I, I just think, you know, a lot I of have people, incredible luck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're having incredible luck. 
So, you know, I think, you know, when we start there, I just want people to like, you know, kind of set aside, you know, a unit, half a unit, just the best straight. So, you know, you could take that best bet profit from there and then sprinkle a little on your parlay. Um, but overall, I just, um, you know, I advise people to just, you know, kind of be smart with it. Take out money when you win money. A lot of times people, you know, with these online books, it's kind of like imaginary money. They win money, just keep it in and start betting more, then eventually lose. So I always advise to, like, take out money when you win. And, um, you know, it's overall, like, I've had clients that, you know, maybe want to bet on things. Like, I know my lane, like we said. Like, I don't bet college football, right? Um, give me one. But uh, so I I don't bet college football. I'm not I'm not you know I haven't had great. You got some strength too, like exactly right. Trying to, bro, that is so hard because it's it's and it's Saturday. It's Thursday through Saturday, P. Like, and you telling me that I can't like I know what's going on. Like I know that I can't touch these games, and you telling me that I I I I can't log into my book just to see like all right what's what's something sweet I can bet on. Like it's it's so hard, P. And for you to have that strength. I, I I can't you you are you are incredible, bro. Cause I can't sometimes I don't even make it to Sunday. I gotta I gotta replenish. <laughs> no doubt. So it took me a couple of years because I would go through the same thing, right? You think you're betting on a few locks, you know what I mean, money lines or whatever. And eventually like you lose that money. And um, yeah, it just took me some time to just be disciplined enough, like to understand that, you know, I knew that I knew the NFL a little better than college football. Um, so you know what I mean, I, I call Saturdays my day off, right? You know, we do so much during the week. I say Saturdays are my day off. Um, but, yeah, that definitely takes discipline. But, I mean, I don't tell people not to bet college football. If you know the game, yeah. you should bet it. Um, I just don't know the game that well. And I try to, like, really take advantage of other games that I do know well, which are NFL, college basketball. Absolutely, P. Um, I appreciate you joining us today. And, and I'm going to give the floor to you. Everybody, Annie Up Consulting, uh, it's a whole team. But P is the big dog of everything. Uh, in terms of uh, getting this whole thing started. Uh, thank you for joining us. Let everybody know where they can find you, hear from you, all that good stuff, Big Dog. Yes, you can catch us, uh, What's the Line podcast. Um, you know, that's available on all podcast streaming uh, networks. Um, you can also catch me these, this, these Sundays, each and every Sunday. I'm going to do a Twitter Spaces, 11.30 a.m. Eastern to 1 p.m. Just talking up to the minute lines. Uh, that's the way I like to bet. I like to bet a little late. Um, so we'll just do that, some interaction. AntiUpConsulting.com, Twitter.com slash AntiUpConsult, um, Instagram, AntiUpConsulting. So you can find us all over the place. Um, a lot of podcasts, a lot of just different uh, ways that we like to um, win bets. Absolutely. And with that being said, everybody, we are out of here. Expect AntiUp, expect Monkey P to be on pretty often on this on this uh hogs haven podcast platform so with that being said we're out of here enjoy the games this weekend uh and then until next time peace